Welcome to the Floor Fantasy and Sci-Fi Lore Podcast. We are still talking about the world of The Witcher, diving into some of the deeper lore points here. Today we're going to be talking about the killing of the Aishna. We're going to dive into some of the lore behind that, how Geralt first encounters it in the books, and how that runs a little bit different than what we see in Netflix. Uh, we're talking about some of the things about shifts in the armies. Tamaria, Radania, Nilfgaard, how those armies compare, and how they've kind of shifted from the beginning of the series to now. And we're going to talk about how uh, Geralt and Yennefer communicate very differently with Ciri and why that is and uh, what it says about their characters. So if that interests you or just uh, talking about this episode a little bit more in depth, go ahead and check out this episode. Roll the intro. Do you remember the first story that was so spellbinding that it drove you to break the rules and stay up all night? To keep reading, keep listening, keep playing, so good you forgot your life and lived there? So good that the moment it ended you asked yourself, what next? Welcome to the floor. Our goal is to take you back, take you deeper, to explore and understand more, and relive that childlike wonder. Join us as we dive deep into humanity's greatest stories, no matter how they are told, through books, movies, television, even games. One of us does an in-depth research on our topic. One of us is familiar with the topic. And one of us knows nothing. So the right questions will always be asked and will be addressed for anyone coming into the topic, regardless of how much you know. Enjoy another world another adventure, another spellbinding story. Join us on the floor. We're going to begin with uh, Emir giving a task to Kahir to deal with Francesca. So in the previous episode, he asked Kahir to kill his friend Gallatin. Yeah, let's time out for a second. Emir is Cirilla's secret father. Yes, an emperor of Nilfgaard. Kahir is the guy who chased Cirilla down in season one. Kahir was the winged helmet knight and he was the leader of the army of Nilfgaard that fought at Sodden. And then in season two, he and uh, Yennefer escape together. He falls from grace. So he's captured, and then he escapes back to Sintra, where he and Frangilla deceive Emir, but he is the one who's orchestrated everything, and then he's thrown into prison. He's had to cry out, crawl his way back into his good graces. And uh, the final step in that was killing his good friend Gallatin, and you can see that that's tearing him up inside. And now he has to deal with Francesca as the leader of the elves because Amir now knows the elves are also looking for Cirilla. So Yennefer then proposes the conclave to the Brotherhood to kind of unite the North and focus, you know, on, on dealing with Nilfgaard. And she does point out the big one they need is King Vizimir of Redania because his army is bigger than all the other armies of the northern kingdoms put together. Now, this is part of the fallout of Sodden, because when we get to Sodden, Redania is not the biggest army. It is Tamaria. But while they win the Battle of Sodden, they lose a lot of their soldiers, and so they're not the strong force they once were. But isn't Nilfgaard still the largest army, though? 
Yes, but we're oh. talking about the Northern Kingdoms, okay. right? right. Just... That they're uniting against it. Yeah. So Nilfgaard is still definitely the, the most powerful military force. But of the Northern Kingdoms, Redani is the most important. And so Yennefer points out the importance of getting Redania. So Redania, to remind you, that's King Vizimir and his spymaster Dijkstra and his mage Philippa and his brother Radovit. So while she's doing that, doing that at Eretuza, Triss learns that there are missing novices and all of them are part elves. And then Yennefer is able to convince Vizimir to send Philippa and Dijkstra and Radovid to the conclave. Then Yennefer encounters a strange portal at Eretuza where someone pretends to be Geralt to learn the location of Ciri and then attacks Yennefer. And then after Yennefer escapes this portal, Triss notices that it leaves stellocyte traces. That's the type of stone that the monoliths are made out of. Okay. Um, and when you say pretends, is this another doppelganger or just somebody? Illusion. Pretending? No, it looks more like illusion. Yeah, illusion magic happening. Particularly because, you know, it was a portal that took her there. So we're definitely dealing with mages of some type. So, okay. and we know yep. from the experimentation on Terran and then the three girls who were made into that weird creature that there is definitely some kind of magic or mage behind all of this. Okay. And then we have a, this one of my favorite moments is Geralt convinces Ciri to go back to Eretuza where Yennefer failed. Like, Yennefer's trying to get her to go there. And then she just runs away. And then Geralt and Siri have their conversation. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and it's just part of their relationship. He's just able to communicate to her in a way she understands and can accept it. Joe, a question for you. Why do you think that is? One is that I guess Yennefer is just, she is so used to just wielding power and influence that she doesn't communicate well with anyone most of the time, right? She just mm. wants what she wants, and you should give it to her because she's a powerful mage or a beautiful woman. And when dealing with Cirilla, she can't wield either of those tools that she's used her whole life to get what she wants. She's got to be genuine. Sucks. Now, plus, uh, Cirilla was raised by her grandmother, and her grandmother was that dude. I mean, her grandmother was <laughs> pretty beat, bat, badass. She Ooh. led armies and went to war and spit on the floors and was a guy's guy, basically. And so, yeah, and I guess, yeah, there, Geralt is also the warrior. That's what Cirilla knows. And Yennefer's a hothead. And I mean, Cirilla is too, but Cirilla knows how to more to talk with even tempered people. Yeah, and I, I think Cirilla sees Geralt very much like a father figure, whereas Yennefer is more like. Yeah, he likes Yennefer, so that's why she's around. Yeah, it's my dad's girlfriend. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't have to do what she says. It's just my dad's girlfriend. I, I think my counter argument is that they she's starting to see her like a mom. However, uh, I know plenty of women and their moms going through uh, puberty. I have sisters. Uh, they fought a lot. And then, like, before and after, they got along great. But they fought, like, demons for the dumbest reasons. So I don't know if that's, you know, part of it or if, you know, that's unrelated, but I do know that is a thing that has happened. Just general teenage hormones. Yeah. Well, and, you know, women have more emotions and they care more uh, than guys. Have you seen Geralt? A lot of times, all of his emotions can be summed up with one word. <laughs> so it's a little different. Yeah. 
to get back to Eratusa, so after Cirilla runs away, we don't know where she runs to, but it, apparently she gets a fair distance. So to get back to Eratusa, they're going to be crossing this sea. And uh, the ferryman doesn't want to cross it anymore because there's a monster attacking it. Well, so Joe, back up. Let's clarify for a second. You said she made it a fair distance. She made it a ferry distance. That's why they <laughs> have to take the ferry. So then Cirilla starts using what she knows about monsters and stuff, and she oh, mentions... Oh, this argument's adorable. She mentions... Uh, right before they... The, oh, okay, go ahead. Right before they get on the ferry, they're talking about, you know, wage and everything, and the ferryman's like, there's a monster, I can't take you, and Cirilla's like, oh, we could go defeat the monster for free, and Geralt's like, no, you gotta work on your mage training. Cirilla's like, I want to work on this too. I don't want to work. Because it's... Yeah. It's sort of she's actually good at, yeah. and then uh, he's like fine, and then they make a deal that they get the ferry ride for free. So Cirilla makes some diagnosis as well about the monster. You know, she mentions that it's been dry, the lake is very low, so that limits how big the monster could be and how dangerous. So she, with that that information, they make a deal to kill the monster for passage. Uh, to Eratusa. Yeah, they go They go full Witcher mode. But it is on the boat that they then reference what monster they're dealing with. They call it an Aishna. So, now, I don't know about uh, here in the Netflix series, but in the books when Geralt encounters the Aishna, it is a book that all, it is a creature that only exists within the Witcher lore. Right? The Witchers know about it. They've fought them. They've detailed them out. But no one else on the continent, um, particularly like the professors at Oxenfurt, where they're keeping all of most of the knowledge and stuff, they don't believe these things exist. Mm. Um, so extremely so, yeah. rare. So within the books, there's actually a professor from Oxenfurt who is just like completely thrilled to have seen the Aishna for the first time. And he's like, they <laughs> are real. I could write about it. You know, and <laughs> Gerald is like, we've known they're real for over 100 years. Like, which is <laughs> <you know, laughs> just like. Get it together, dude. <laughs> like just, yeah. just because no one at your specific school wrote about it doesn't mean it's not real. Uh, uh, Carol's come a long way from killing the wrong monster. So is this the episode that the trailer for the season three Witcher uh, show? I don't know. I don't think I saw the trailer. Well, what was in the trailer? Uh, I think I remember. Uh, Gal and the girl are fighting on the boat, and it's like a big... Yep. Uh, fishy monster yeah. mud skipper looking thing yeah it's like it's like it's like a weird cat fish hybrid yeah okay yeah. So, okay so the Aishna typically they live in either swamps or really low rivers um because they like to hide beneath the surface right. of the water but it can't be too deep um and a lot of times when you find them in swamps and things they'll have moss or algae growing on them to help kind of camouflage them um, and uh, they they do attack boats and ferries and stuff, plucking either livestock or people off to eat. And so in Ciri's early diagnosis, she mentions that things have been very dry and that the sea is low. And that's probably why we're going to encounter an Aishna in the sea, not necessarily a river or a swamp. So it's very possibly there's been a drought recently and the rivers are too low for the Aishna to uh, li live there anymore. So it has moved into the sea. And that is possibly why we're not seeing a lot of moss and algae on this one is because as it's moved into the sea, uh, it's kind of shaken off that camouflage to hide better there. Right. 
Right. As well as, you know, the environment's different to a salt water to fresh water. So, well, it could be, a, a, I guess they call it a sea, but I mean, it could be fresh water. We don't know about the ocean around the continent. Oh, uh, good point. So then uh, we get some moments with uh, Yennefer and Geralt meeting back together now that they've arrived at the town outside Eratusa. And then Yennefer and Geralt get ready for the conclave and Yaskir is left to protect Ciri. And there he meets up with Radovid. And then uh, Kahir is going to meet with Francesca, and he tries to convince her to help Emir find Ciri. Um, and he brings her a bunch of weapons and food and supplies and things that they need. And now we're going to get... So earlier in this season, uh, we meet a king's messenger. I think it might even be the very first episode. And when Cyrilla meets him, she has a vision of him being shot in the neck with an arrow. And so we're going to see that scene play out. Now, right before he is shot with the arrow, he is repeating a message over and over, the message he's carrying. It is, reinforcements are needed at Eretuza before dawn. And he repeats that twice, and then he's shot with an arrow. So there's a few things we know from this scene. One, when we meet him, he introduces himself as the king's messenger. Nilfgaard is ruled by an emperor. And there are three major northern kingdoms. Redania, Tamaria, and then Rivia and Lyria. It's, Rivia was a nation, Lyria was a nation, the king and queen got married, now it's one one nation, but it's called Rivia and Lyria. R and L. Rivia and Lyria is ruled by Queen May, so we know it is not them. Right? So this messenger had to be going to either Redania or Tamaria. Yeah, yeah. And we also know he doesn't arrive because he is killed in route. Kill the messenger. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> That's kind of the, the best way to do it. A lot of people are like, don't shoot the messenger. But honestly, in war and you see one, it's like so many bonus points. Like when we played Dota 2, I think, I think the, the whole thing was if you see that stupid little donkey. <laughs> yes, kill those kill messengers. <laughs> uh, is this a good place to take a break? Yeah, we can take a break here. Perfect. And when we get back, what are we going to be talking about? Uh, we'll talk about uh, Triss and his Stred and uh, the secret that uh, Geralt and Yennefer unravel. Awesome. Okay, so we have been mentioning at the end of our episodes recently about the treasure room, how, as Aaron likes to describe it, in the floor we go deep into things, but in the treasure room we kind of go wide. And we wanted to give people who have never been in the treasure room uh, a little bit of a sample. So going forward, we'll probably be uh, putting in little bits and pieces here. So here is a small clip uh, from the treasure room. We hope you enjoy it and are interested in uh, learning more in there. I think the big flaw here is that you have assigned a man without the skill set for this task, right? This is a man whose skill set is a soldier, who's leading armies, and you're like, hey, I want you to track down and hunt one person. And you've got a whole army at your disposal. He's like, eh, it's not optimal for that, but I'll do what I can, <laughs> right? And doesn't work, surprisingly. Right. You don't try to use a truck to catch a fly. 
All right, we are back. Joe's been uh, explaining the events of Season 3, Episode 4. They are traveling uh, to Eretuza, right? He's convinced her to go there where Yennefer has failed on the boat. They meet a monster. Messenger is killed. He was bringing a message to a king and... So that is either Rodania or Tumaria. Yeah. That wraps up our first half. All right. So then we see Triss and his Stred. Uh, they perform a locator spell to find the book of Monoliths. That's the book that his Stred is looking for. When they find it with their locator spell, they're also able to connect it to the missing novices. Novices. What do you say, Aaron? What's his word? I say novice. I love how you guys... Novice. Yeah. So... Uh, novice is, I think, the more common one, but novice just sounds more fun. <laughs> okay. So, and then Yennefer and Geralt, um, reach the conclusion that is Stregobor, who is behind the strange portals and the people hunting Ciri and the one who has kidnapped the missing novices. And then we reach the beginning of where I guess everyone begins to prepare for and head to the Conclave, which is really just going to be a big party where everybody talks. Okay, we're going to have to back up for a second. We missed a couple important points. So, Yaskir is also on the boat with Geralt and Cirilla. Uh, while on the boat, a trope of barbershop quartet morons. Well, uh, Yaskir's... Competitors. Uh, what, what would you... Yeah. Competitors, yeah. Competitors show up and the ferryman is like, oh my gosh, you guys are amazing. Oh my gosh, you're so great. And yes, here you can tell is so butthurt. <laughs> and Cirilla's having the best time. She's just watching him be butthurt the entire time. <laughs> and honestly, they're very superficial. I think that's why the ferryman and most common folk like them. Yes, here's been becoming a lot more in-depth. Remember we talked in... Okay, so this is Valdo... Marks and his group. And so in the books, we never actually see Valdo Marks, but Yaskir does talk about him a lot and he doesn't like him. I think partly because Valdo Marks is also very popular, right? And, uh, you know, he feels he's in competition, but he also feels that Valdo Marks is a sellout and he is a true artist. Well, yeah, because Valdo Marks does not follow a witcher around and get the good deets. <laughs> get the you good can deet. even tell from the episode where they're fighting the monster. Valdo had no idea what was going on, and they were being freaking losers. And Yaskir was being uh, dope. Yaskir, as said in uh, previous episodes, you know, he's like, oh, I don't sing that kind of music anymore, right? He, he doesn't sing these happy-go-lucky songs. That, that's... Yeah, he can still be butthurt when other people do and uh, make more okay. money. <laughs> Right, like he, he can do both those things. It's Yaskir. It's all emotional. Well, and stuff. it's like all people, right? Like you can want to be fit and lean and have an awesome body, and also want a donut at the same time. You can want both things, even though they are in contradiction <laughs> to each other. I feel like one donut and a fit body are not in contradiction to each other, unless the donut is the size of those donuts they put on top of donut shops. In which case, I agree a hundred percent. So we want those donuts all the time, and that pizza. And all that sweet, awesome junk food all the time, every morning, pastries for breakfast. But you also want to have this super lean, fit body. See, that one. You you recognize there's a contradiction there. You can't have both, but you can want both. But if you add a tapeworm into the mix, (laughs) now you're cooking with fire. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, that's going to be fire, but yeah. Okay, what else do we miss? Val, Val, Valdo, so we do meet Valdo Marx, who Yaskir hates. Oh, and they're just, it, it, yeah, and his barbershop quartet are so irritating, and they're like cornering Cirilla and Geralt while they're trying to do their hunt, they're like cornering them on the boat and singing on either side of them. Yeah, and they're like, hey, knock it up. You're going to wake it up. And they're like, yeah, we're trying to wake it up. <laughs> You're an idiot, sir. I was I was mildly disappointed that when it got woken up and started throwing these quartet people around, it didn't, you know, maim anyone completely. They seemed to all be okay. Yeah, they all they all survived the encounter. I figured the learning for them would have been great if one of them got eaten, and they'd all be like, "Ah, oh, wow, life's not jolly go lucky all the time." Like, oh, is this why Yaskir just has Geralt tell him the story when he gets back rather than watching it unfold? Is this why? <laughs> Yaskir does half and half, it seems, but yeah, often. It, it does seem half and half, but uh, there is that great episode where uh, that one guy's telling the story, he's like, and then it swallowed the Witcher whole, and he died. So much more detail than Geralt seen, ever gives me. Yeah, and he's like, so much more detail than Geralt ever gives me. I think that episode was kind of a catalyst for him, though. He's like, you know what? Geralt doesn't give me this kind of information. I, I gotta, gotta go watch. Out. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I'd have to kind of watch. The episodes play out to see if that's a shift in how he approaches it. Be like, I've got to be there. Geralt just doesn't tell me what's actually happening. Yeah, we fought. I found it. We fought. I killed yeah, it. He's like, Geralt, what happened? Be like, I killed the monsters. Yes, yes, but what happened? Be like, holds up the head. <laughs> I killed <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I think I that's something we should look into because I, I, my theory is that's what that is the catalyst as to why he's like I am following him all over the place all the time except for that time mm-hmm. I was in prison for a long time yes so that is episode uh, four so we have a treasure room question for you unless you got more Aaron I think the only other more that I had there was another tidbit going back to the conclave real quick Yennefer went and spoke there uh, obviously, it did not go swimmingly because last time she was there, she, you know, said some things, blew up some stuff, and left. And so now she's coming back and it's like, "Hey, I'm saying some things." And people are like, "Wait a second! Last time she said some things, and then she blew stuff up and laughed." <laughs> so they're kind of hesitant to listen to her. Yes. Uh, so that one was interesting, just to see everyone. And that conclave starting to argue. Well, that was that was just a meeting of the brotherhood. The conclave will be the all the kings, queens, or oh, if okay. not the kings and queens, at least their emissaries meeting together. So the conclave is what we will see in the next episode. Uh, I guess there is one final thing I want to point out, which is going to resonate with the end of this season. And so Geralt, in his conversation with Ciri, convincing her to go back to Eretuza, he says, I think when you are honest with yourself about who you are and embrace it, that is when you'll be able to control this. All right. All right, yes. Yeah, so the treasure room question. We have seen Surilla hunted by many people in many different ways, and they all fail. How would you hunt Surilla? Oh, I have an idea. <laughs> 